downtown Chicago on State Street, that great street. We are live from the First Midwest Bank Studios. This is WMVP Chicago. It's 9 o'clock on a Saturday. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show. Starring Mike Murphy. Fred Hubner and featuring Eric Ostrowski. Now here's your host, Murph and Fred. Hey, busy day. Glad you're with us. Morning, Fred. How you doing? Well, I'm still oh. trying to figure out how the White Sox won a baseball game yesterday. Their starter gets hurt. Their, their, their stud prospect gets hurt. Their uh-huh. starter gets rocked. His feelings were hurt, and so were mine. I had been watching, and they still win a game. They won the game 12 to 11. Unbelievable. <laughs> what a stupid baseball game. <laughs> Down in Arizona, Cubs lose 8 to 3. A pretty, uh, just, you know, slow to watch. Nothing going well. We'll cover Cubs and Sox, but I understand the Bears made some uh, news yesterday. I'll let the record show. For about two or three weeks, I've been saying, you know, this. Brian, Brian Pace, uh, Brian Pace, it's in his uh, DNA, you know, he's going to have to, he loves trading up or down, he loves trading up, and uh, he did it, he can't help himself, Fred. There's a third time in the last five years <laughs> that he has moved up to get their first pick in the draft. Well, Not the first pick in the draft, but they're yeah. the Bears' first selection yeah, exactly. in the draft. Third time in five years, he did it again yesterday. I'm not sure he had to, but he mm-hmm. did because more running backs fell after his move up and around where the Bears would have been. We're going to visit in a couple of minutes with uh, our favorite guy, Dan Schonka from Our Lads. He can tell us everything we need to know about David Montgomery, the Bears' new three-down running back. I guess they're saying he could be, rather. He could be a three-down running back. Well, they right? got so many guys now. They got Mike Davis that they picked up, and they also have Tariq Cohen, uh-huh. and they have... Uh, you know, now you have Montgomery, so they have their pick of guys, <laughs> and uh, now basically Matt Nagy just uh, go to work and uh, work your magic, and let's get to the Super Bowl. He moved up 14 spots. Uh, Pace did from number 87 up to number 73. 14 spots up. They gave up a, a fourth round pick uh, next year and a fifth round pick this year to move up 14, and they got a six this year. Sort of confusing, but uh, when you do the numbers, which I did, Fred, on the you know uh, draft pick chart value thing or whatever they call yeah. it, you know, it meshes out, meshes out just about equal, which is you know not that that's the be all end all, the only thing you can look at, but I know they use that or they use different sources. They of do, them, and it was close. So yeah. you know what are you going to do? They do. At the end of the day, I don't care. No, no, uh, right. right. If they if they pick guys that are going to help the team win, uh-huh. I don't care if they gave up an extra. pick. Pick. They wanted the guy that they wanted, and that's what they did. And, uh, you know, Matt Nagy wanted a guy, Ryan Pace wanted a guy, and they moved up to get him. And what happened basically is it was three spots after the Rams took a running back mm-hmm. and one spot before Buffalo took one. So maybe they were concerned that Buffalo was going to grab their guy. But you know what? We've learned when he wants his guy, he doesn't care. Right. I'm getting my guy. I'll move up. I'll do whatever I have to do, you know, within reason, hopefully. He actually said earlier in the week that they're set at running back. Well, that was one of the... Brian Pace did. Yeah. yeah, pay no attention to the man behind the right. curtain. Yeah, no, we're good at running back. Oh, yeah. We're fine. Which told you that's what they're doing, right? Yeah, there's a good chance that uh, <laughs> they will find another one. Most right. people thought they would go after a running back. They did, and uh, mm-hmm. now they got four more picks today. Uh, we've got the draft coming for you at 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. That's why we got a quick two-hour show. We're going to jam everything in. The Bears have a fourth, 
a new number, <clears throat> excuse me, a four, a new number six, and the two existing sevens, right? Yeah. Four, six, seven, seven. Well, we, you know, we like to talk as fans. I wish, wish we had somebody right now that could actually, you know, someone knows what they're talking about. Well, certainly not us. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. Uh, Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. That'd be Dan Shanka. Bears uh, draft a question. They draft David uh, Montgomery. A, you love it. B, it's a reach. C, Murph, Fred, I got no clue. Vote now, A, B, or C. And Twitter poll number two, Ryan Pace. Hey, did it again. He gave up too much. Draft capital, yes or no. By the way, I hate the phrase draft capital more than anything in the world. Oh, there's a lot of things I hate more it's, than that, but okay, it's it, might, it, it may be on the it's list. It's taken over. It may be on, well, for the last couple of days in Nashville, uh, it probably is. Let's go to uh, our lads. Let's bring in Dan Shanka, uh, busiest guy in town and in the country. It's our uh, college NFL uh, expert, Murph here, Fred alongside. Busy day, busy night. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Dan Shanka. Good morning, gentlemen. You got any <laughs> snow up there yet? That's the question. Not yet. They, they say that uh, we could be getting anywhere from one to eight inches of snow. But, hey, the ground the ground is warm, so it's all going to melt right away. So. Plus, you know, it, it's appropriate. It's appropriate with the draft going on that there's a little bit of snow Listen in the future. Listen to him laughing. It's like he's, down, like he's in Arizona or Florida right now. <laughs> I wish I was. I, I couldn't believe it. But uh, anyway, hey. No, we're all ready for that uh, today's draft, and the Chicago Bears going to roll up what four four draft picks today? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. They have their existing uh, four, the new six, and two existing sevens. But everyone's talking about David Montgomery. Now I have, uh, as you have, Fred, the Our Lads Scouting Service. Always, don't leave home without it. Oh no, OurLads.com. We'll talk about that uh, in a minute. But, uh, Fred, you've got yours. I've got mine. David Montgomery, uh, you rank him at 7.80, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I think that's, you know, a high third round uh, is how you guys break that down. But here's some of the, so here's some of the notes. Now, uh, this was uh, printed, you know, well before yesterday. My favorite uh, thing here, uh, Fred and uh, Dan, uh, uh, David Montgomery's built like a fire hydrant with legs. That's all I need to see. That's fantastic. <laughs> what what can a guy that's built like a fire hydrant with legs and all these other great reports you have here, what can Bears fans hope or what does Ryan Pace expect to see? Well, I'll tell you, uh, he's a downhill runner that's uh, very powerful. He breaks a lot of tackles. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, – I don't know – I, I, you know, we go back to Neil Anderson days. I, you know, Neil was faster, but uh, he runs kind of like Neil, really tough, you know, hard running guy, uh, all elbows and and uh, shoulder pads, and uh, you know, he's a, I call a three point four yard running back. You know, three point four, three point four, three point four, first down. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, he he catches the ball well out of the backfield and uh, gets up there, and he's tough to tackle in the open field. Not that he's got a lot to shake, but if you don't wrap this guy up, he's going to run right over you. So I think the Bears are going to like him. He's a, he's a tough nut. I love that, Fred. He's a 3.4. That's times a three carries, a 10.2. And as you wrote here, move. he's a chain mover, right? He's a chain mover. I love it. Yep. Yeah, he just yeah, – I'll tell you, he's – 
I mean, to me, he's a, he's a Chicago Bear uh, back. He fits what the Bears want to do. And, um, you know, now we kind of hedged a little bit there on his block. He's a little better blocker than I think our report uh, mm-hmm. uh, has in there because, I, I mean, he most of the time he didn't get a chance to right. block because he's usually carrying the ball. You know what I mean? At Iowa State, they gave him the ball a bunch, and he was their guy. He was their bell cow. And uh, so – uh, but he is a good block. When he gets a chance, when he does stay in, most time it's checked down or, you know, they're spread, so he's out in the pattern. But he's a, he's a really a good football player and a, an underrated back. And, uh, you know, he's hungry, too. I think that's the big thing. He's got the eye of the tiger. In this case, the eye of the bear. Yes. Dan, there's always a couple things when you guys print this stuff up, and you don't split it up necessarily by saying strengths and weaknesses, but a lot of times they're in the paragraph or so that you guys write about them. There are a couple things that like that I loved, and that was what Murph said. The change mover also breaks through initial contact, plenty of yards after contact. That's all good. Excellent ball security. Takes care of the ball. Then there were just two things that got me, and I wanted to ask you about those. It says, never a star, but certainly a safe and reliable back. I think sometimes people called me that. And they said, he's not the best guy in the world, but you know what? He's not going to let you down. And the other one is, can be caught from behind. I can't tell you how many times Bears fans said when Jordan Howard broke open in a free, they go, yeah, he breaks open, but he can never go the distance because he's always caught from behind. Is this guy quicker than a Jordan Howard was? Uh, he I t- he does not have great long speed. I mean, he, but, but you know what? There's not many backs that break long runs in the NFL. You go look at it, and very few guys take it to the house. Now he won't uh, he won't be. I mean, I, I shouldn't say won't be because things can happen right. the way you know a defense shifts. You cut back, and boom, he could hit it. But uh, generally, I mean, he's not going to get through that first wave of tacklers and uh you know go 50 yards for a touchdown okay uh he's like i said he's a he's a four six guy or high you know high four six or high four i'm sorry high four five guy or low four six guy and uh, but you know what um uh, the thing is, like I said, he's a hammer at 3.4 yards a carry. Okay, another thing. One other thing they, you know, Ryan Pace, as we mentioned before you came on, three of the first five, last five years he has moved up to get the guy he wanted for the Bears' first pick. Now, he moved up from 87 to 73, and at 87, the Patriots take Damian Harris, who you guys had rated as the top running back. What are the differences or similarities between those two? Well, they're both. Um, well, in in uh, Montgomery's case, he's a uh, three-year starter, and then uh, you know, are, are mostly three-year starter, right. and then you know, uh, Damian Harris is a three-year starter down there. And uh, I think um, we did have a Harris rated higher. I think uh, Harris is probably right, at least right now, is uh, a little better blocker, and they're similar size-wise. Harris might be a little faster. But, uh, you know, he was in, always in a rotation, so you never really knew what he could do, whereas Montgomery was the bell cow. I mean, he was, he was Iowa State's guy and helped him turn that program around there. So, um, you know what, it, it's just, as is um, a lot of picks in this draft, it's in the eyes of the beholder and how he would fit in your, you know, scheme and, and things. So, I mean... I, you know, they might, you know, on their board, they might have had Montgomery one and Harris two. Now, I had Harris as our top guy. Right. Okay. Then we had, then we had, uh, you know, his running mate after him. And then, you know, we had Montgomery up there. So it's just, it, 
you know, it's just a matter of what your preference is. Well, the one thing we know is that Damian Harris probably won't run behind a better offensive line in the pros, right? What they had at Alabama no. was pretty good. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> they, they always had. And, and you know, he, to me, he was their best back. I mean, uh, he really set up, you know, the other back, Jacobs. You know, he set him up because he was such a hammer and a power guy. And then, you know, the other guy comes in and boom, he's, uh, you know, he, he looks like a million dollars, but he's a different running style and it throws the defense off. I still think Harris is better. Couple quick minutes here with Dan Shank. I want to thank Dan always for uh, being a friend of the program. Uh, check him out at ourlads.com. Couple more of your comments uh, here. You and the Our Lads guys, I should say. Uh, my favorite, built like a fire hydrant with legs. He's a bottom heavy body. Well, what, so am I. Bottom, but I, friend, I is that a good run. report? Bottom heavy body. <laughs> uh, he uh, strong and quick game. He's got the easy, I like his easy, powerful change of direction. Won't shy from contact. I read in one of the other publications as a, as a kid, he used to watch the old videos of Walter Payton and just uh, wanted to emulate how Walter would attack. You know uh, the defense, but here, here we go, Fred. Natural hands catcher. Uh, he'll see the uh, ball uh, constantly. Uh, he'll see the ball in rather. I'm sorry, look it in. You know, con- consistently. You mentioned scheme, the key word. A minute or two back there, Dan Shanka. A lot of a lot, lot of stories over the last year. We have learned how Ryan Pace, the GM, Matt Nagy, the head coach, they think alike, they walk alike, you know, and they know what the other's thinking. And uh, Pace says, I know right away what kind of guy, what Matt Nagy wants or doesn't want. So the scheme, we all know what they do with the men in motion and the scud missile. Where's this guy going? We know Tariq Cohen. So what is the scheme? How to, in a creative offense, uh, Dan, how will they be able to utilize this guy? He's with 5'10", 222, like you talked about, hard to bring down. He's got good enough hands. Is just, this just another piece of the fun puzzle for Nagy to work with on, as the mad scientist on his offensive uh, uh, dry erase board? Yeah, well, what you're doing, you're forcing people to make uh, tackles one-on-one with Montgomery. We spread people out, put them in motion, and like you said, you've got to be You've got to be aware of Cone where he's at because he can squirt through there, and it's a good change up hmm. between those two. Like I said, you got that power guy that can come in and break tackles and be durable, and that's the other thing. I, he's missed like one game in his career there at Iowa State. You know, I mean, a very durable guy. He fumbled one time, and that was questionable. It was against uh, in the Liberty Bowl against Memphis two years ago, and I think he still got hosed on that deal. So, really, he doesn't ever lay the ball on the ground, which is worth a lot, And uh, but he's He's a, he, he'll, Nagy will force the defense to go one-on-one with this guy. And I'll tell you, he's, he's going to get extra yardage. He's always going forward. Mm-hmm. Even if they tackle him after two yards, he's going to get, you know, like I said, the 3.4 or four uh-huh. yards, or he's going to break a tackle. <laughs> the uh, good old yak. Haven't heard yak enough lately, yards after contact. Here's one of the uh, reports from one of the other services out there. This is a fact. He was the toughest running back in college to take down, to tackle the last two years combined. You see this, Fred? Yep. 185 missed tackles. Top 
toughest guy to bring down over the last two years in college football, Dan. Yeah, that, absolutely. I mean, he's he's not easy to tackle. Like I said, he's all elbows, knees, and thighs. You know, we talk about that lower body heaviness. We're talking about power now. You know, that lower body power. Um, you know, he's not uh, pear shaped. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, he's he's power shaped. All right. So so let me augment that. So he's a between-the-tackle guy, but he can also get out in space where you can get him one-on-one and watch him uh, evade or, or bust through tackles. So is he both? Is he both between-the-tackle running the ball and he can get out in space? Well, he, when you swing him out as a uh, running back, we, what we're talking about there, when he catches the ball, if he's singled up in space on a defensive back, that it, that defensive back's going to have to make a business decision <laughs> and try to tackle him, okay? Yeah. Because in the open field, he is not easy to tackle. Now, it's not because he jukes and thinks; it's because he's powerful. I mean, you know, you got if you can imagine when he's between the tackles, if he can run through that mess and yeah. mud, you know what he does in space against one on one on a guy. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have to shake him; he'll just drop a shoulder and run right over him. Again, Fred, the fire hydrant with legs. Yeah, yeah. There, Dan, yeah. G- going into today, um, obviously a, biz- a, a big day. A lot of, I know, NFL fans probably say, well, you know, the first two days are the biggest days. But a lot of teams really build their teams and build their, you know, what they have and how they're going to uh, advance in the future with what they get on this third day. Are there a couple guys you expect to go really early on, um, you know, today? Guys that have been maybe overlooked a little bit? Yeah, I, I tell you, I think that uh, Montgomery's teammate, uh, Hakeem Butler from Iowa State, will be g- going in the, in the fourth. It, to me, I tell you what, guys, this fourth round today, it's got, it, you'll see a ton of third rounders in there. There's a lot of guys that didn't get drafted, and, and any, anybody that thinks this today is, uh, you know, just, guys they're very uninformed because all they got to do is look at rosters and it's built with these fourth fifth sixth seventh rounder and undrafted free agents so you got to be strapped on and be ready to go but butler would be one i think uh, uh ryan finley quarterback from north carolina state he's one uh, i was got really a good defensive end uh anthony nelson six seven six eight and about 280 pounds ran four eighth combine very productive there uh, we love a guy named Justin Holland from Oregon. And when I saw a linebacker last night taken that was like 5'10", a free agent was drafted that was like 5'10", you know, 225, 227 pounds. This guy, Holland, whoever doesn't grab him, they're not very smart. Here's a guy, 6'05", six, 250 pounds, ran 4'41 at the combine, or 4'49 at the combine, got the best hands in this draft for pass rushing right after Bosa. I'm telling you, this guy's a great player. And I don't know what the hell people are doing out there scouting, but they don't know half these guys, I think, uh, better turn in their scouting badges. But anyway, and then uh, uh, Wilson from Alabama, he's going to be taking an inside linebacker. Uh, and love the uh, cornerback from Notre Dame. He'll probably right. go here in the fourth. Uh, you know, so there is some really good football players. Uh, Walker, outside linebacker from Georgia, he's going to be available so we're uh, really good football players in this fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. And so there's so much depth because there's so many of these juniors that came out. It ended up pushing down some of these other really good seniors. So, hey, people do their work. Uh, and, and there's going to be a lot of people making hay today. I mean, Cincinnati's got ten picks. Uh, Minnesota, <laughs> wow. they got you know nine picks. So um, 
you know, I mean, hey, a lot of teams have got but, – but the Bears, they, they're, they're going to get some decent players, that's for sure. Yeah, it's funny. Minnesota has nine picks, and they have – there's a span where they have three and four. They have a pick, a pick, a, somebody else, and then a pick again. So it's going to be interesting. It's always fun to see. It's hard to sit and follow this one because they go so quickly. It's easier just to look online afterwards. <laughs> well, I tell you, I, I yeah, and I, I watch it all the way through. I got three. Uh, I don't know if, if ABC is doing it today or not, but I have uh, three monitors in my office uh, sure. that monitor everything. You know, so but anyway, uh, hopefully. Um, you know, things that will, you know, some of the players will get down, and the ones that don't, uh, hey, they're still got a great shot of making it. So, uh, yeah, it's always a lot of interest and intrigue on this uh, third day. Dan, we'll spring you on one of your busiest days, obviously, of the year. Our lads. Dot com. Our lads, one of the great things of many they do over there, Fred, is their depth charts. They got the great Tremendous depth, charts, depth charts. And uh, uh, they're always like within a day or two up to date. You guys are probably working right now to scramble to get 32 new depth charts up. Tell the fans how they can hook up with our lads and what you guys got going on there, please, Dan Shaka. Well, I'll tell you what, Murph, got news for you. They're up. Dated already. I know. So, I should have uh, figured. You know, they're, they're ready to roll. Hey, when yeah. they come off the presses, man, we fill them in there so fans can go to the Bear depth chart or they can go uh-huh. to all these other teams and see. And we code the rookies in green, which they are, right? So okay, good. I got when it. When you look at the depth chart, you can see green, and that's the guy. And um, right now, where they're just projections to put them in different places because obviously OTAs and all that stuff will make changes and cuts and all that stuff. Here before long, but but uh, anyway, yeah, they go to our lads o u r l a d s dot com and uh, see all the uh, NFL depth charts that are updated as we speak or before we spoke today, uh-huh. and uh, take a look at look at it, and then be ready to go for uh, eleven o'clock when they start rolling off again. Cool, cool. Uh, Dan, one of our favorite guys here in Chicago has been covering the Bears at the Sun Times for for a long time, Mark. Potash, and Mark's always tuned in. He has an interesting phrase, then we'll spring it. He says, uh, now that the uh, Bears, you know, have uh, filled in the uh, running back opening, the here we go, the Bears' biggest need heading into Saturday is a kicker. Now, that's flat out what Mark Potash says. He's not saying what round to take him. He's just saying, in his opinion, that's their biggest need. And he mentions LSU's Cole Tracy. Utah's uh, Matt Guy uh, are uh, still out there. Uh, real quick, 30 seconds. Your thoughts on taking a kicker uh, in what round? And uh, are those the two guys that you would say are uh, the ones to focus on? Well, they'll be in the mix, but Sabert from Oklahoma, we got him in the sixth round. Uh, and, uh, you know, but there's a, a guy named, uh, what's his name? Robbie. Uh, <laughs> oh, Gold. 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 He'd love to get back to Chicago. So uh, he, he's not bad now. <laughs> I think I can so, read between the lines. <laughs> hey, Dan. But anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hey, always a pleasure to hear Bell Cow, a 3.4 guy, and Fire Hydrant with Legs all in about 10 minutes. Thank you for that, as always. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, great. Uh, thank you for so, having yeah. me on. All right. Thanks a lot, Dan. A 3.4 guy. It makes so much sense. Yeah. He'll get you first down 10 yards if you hand him the ball three times. If I'm if I'm the Bears, I don't necessarily count on Robbie Gold because yeah. 49ers came out this week and basically said, listen, mm-hmm. we, we've we got him on the franchise tag. He If he's going to play this year, he's going to play with us. 
Um, and they can just sit there and say, you know what? Here's your uniform. Just be on the field September 8th when we play. So uh, it'll be interesting if they're able to work something out. The Bears would definitely have to give something up in order to get uh, Robbie Gold to come on in here. And as uh, Fred, uh, you said a few minutes ago, uh, just to reiterate, a vintage uh, move by the Bears GM, Patrick Finley, saying it among others, the third time in five years the Bears GM has moved up uh, to make the Bears uh, a first pick overall, you know, uh, that they have. I vote right now when we return. If you're on hold, we'll keep the Bears talk rolling. Got some great White Sox sound bites from an exciting 12-11 to victory. The uh, Cubs, a disappointing game uh, last night. Oh, but Chris Bryant hit a homer his first since opening day. And good exit velo, they told him after the game. And yeah. he sheepishly said, well, you know what? They have that in all the ballparks. I know right away what it is. Vote right now uh, at ESPN 1000. Uh, Bears, uh, they draft David Montgomery. A, you love it. B, it was a reach. C, I got no clue. The kid's a rookie. What do I know? Or number two, Ryan Pace gave up too much. Too many picks. Too much draft capital. Oh, I hate that phrase. Yes, he did or no, he didn't. And uh, lots to cover. We're going to have three topics later, Fred. Uh, the Pace... The face and the race. Okay. Work on those. I'm going to work on them now during the break. <laughs> Just came up with that. Back in a flash, I see Mark from Michigan City, Bear fan Bob. He's on the tollway. And uh, your call next at 332-3776, ESPN 1000. south side of Chicago. It's only fitting it ends like that. Tim Anderson, who kept the game alive with his defensive heroics in the top of the ninth, ends it with his offensive heroics in the bottom of the ninth. Highlights NBC Sports Chicago walk-off winner. Tim, look at right to the Bears. Back to the Tim Anderson, four for six last night, hitting 402 at the walk-off home run, Fred. Wow. Yeah, unbelievable. He had a really good game. Nice game in the field. Uh, yeah, especially late when they needed it, and uh, he stepped up. They needed something to step up yesterday because Rodon was bad. Eloya Menez got hurt. Um, I, I don't quite understand what Tim Anderson was doing. I know he was trying to make a, a, a smart decision when Jose Abreu hits a home run. He actually was going back to the base to tag up in case the ball was caught at the fence because Anderson said, I can get to second base. But then Abreu runs past them and they take the home run off the board. So it was a weird, strange, probably the strangest of all games I've seen. Well, I don't know if either was at fault, but let's take a listen. And Jose hits it in the air, left field side. Peterson at the warning track and the wall. Runs driven in tonight by Jose Abreu and a towering home run. Sox lead by a pair. What a monumental comeback this has been, but still some work to be done. 
Now, there's a question about whether or not the runners pass one another on the base path. The question is, were they parallel or did he pass them? Well, that's going to be now the Music City miracle that, that we're looking at. That's going to be really hard to tell, and I'm not sure if they have a definitive angle on whether he passed them or not. He did pass. Wow. Them. So let's see what the result of the play is where they put the runners. So two runs do two score. Runs yeah, that's exactly score. what it is. Two runs score. The ball leaves the park. The Sox still have the lead, and two are out. So I read somewhere, NBC Sports Chicago, Fred, that, uh, well, you know, uh, Javi Baez, they call him El Mago or whatever. He's the magician. Yeah. So did you see the one uh, liner someone that sent out last no. night? Tim Anderson that turned a three-run homer into a two-run uh, single, which was the official scorekeeping. Yeah. Tim, no, I, I got to say, Tim Anderson was thinking. Right, he, he was thinking. He went halfway to second, saw that the left fielder might be able to make a miracle catch. Well, you heard on Stone's call, too. It was a sky-high yeah. oh, yeah. home run. He so, golfed it, and you weren't sure if it was going to get out or not. So he hightailed it back to first to tag, yeah. thinking maybe if he had to make the big catch over the wall, he'd fall down on a heap, and I can get to second base. And then Abreu is running out his home run. He's looking up, I'm guessing, like right. at the replay or still where the ball was and doesn't realize yeah. Anderson was hightailing it back, hot-footing it as Patty. He was would say. And I don't think Anderson ever actually came back and touched the base. I think he was close to the base. Right. But I don't think he touched it. No. And before he got to the base, Abreu hit the base and actually made the turn. Yeah. And actually passed him. So I don't know how they came up with the rule that the two runs scored. Um, that's an interesting concept. Yeah, the runners score. Because but- if the guys are if the guys out, why didn't you just leave them on? I mean, he passed the guy. I'm not going to ask another question, I know. but somewhere in the rule book it must oh, no. be. That, that is how it is. I don't know exactly why it is. But well, yeah, because you can't pass the runner, no, so no. you're out. No, right, I, you're out. Yeah. But why do they? Hit, why is Anderson score? <laughs> because the ball is rolling down the hill at Old Highland Park. I know. Back into 1882. Somewhere along the line, I'm sure that's a rule book, and <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, without a doubt, that Jason Benetti and Steve Stone will break down that rule later on today. When they have nothing else to do when the game's rained out or snowed out. So let's get back to some Bears talk. I know. I'm always excited over the Bears picks. And then a year or two later, oh, man. But there's one thing about this that's interesting. Let's go to the really interesting to me. Let's bring in Mark and then Bob, uh, Michigan City, Indiana. Hello, Mark. Hello, Mr. Murphy. Hello, Mr. Huebner. How are you doing again this morning? Doing well, Mark. What's happening? When the Bears traded up, uh, when... uh, Ryan Pace traded up. I thought he might be going for a tight end from uh, uh, te- Texas A&M, Mr. Uh, Trey Sternberger. That was my guy, but that's all. Uh, so he went for the running back. Uh, I'm hoping uh, the running, uh, yes, yeah, so at running back, we got a gentleman who can be kind of like a, you remember old Chuck Foreman? Yeah, he could catch yeah. the ball out of the backfield. Ooh, one of the best. Yeah, he. We're looking for a version of a Mike Allstott, Chuck Foreman, hmm. uh, who can uh, set up blocks on the edge on uh, protection and and run a downhill runner who's not going to break away, who'd be good in the Philly special and can catch a lot of balls out of the backfield. That's what we're looking for, and I think we gave up a fifth round choice for that. We gave up a four next year, a five, okay. you know, today. To okay. move up fourteen spots, and you also got a six. And back, we get right? a six back later, a six pack, a six back later today and, also, and a six pack. Yes. Yeah, you get them both. <laughs> so uh, okay, now oh, yeah, go ahead, Mark. 
when uh, Mr. Sternberger, uh, three drafts later, went down to the Packers, I said, oh, no, they got mm-hmm. a Jordy Nelson replacement. But that's the price of it. And, yeah. and I, uh, the, the thing is I want to mention about the White Sox, Fred, and you can weigh in also, Murph. Uh, Mr. Darrell Boston didn't do his job last night. He's, he's made numerous mistakes coaching at first base. He should have kind of put down the slowdown sign uh, to, uh, to Abreu, Abreu. Yeah. because he saw his man was tagging up. He should have said, Jose, slow down, slow down. If it doesn't clear, uh, you know, Anderson's got to tag up. He, he has made numerous mistakes there at first base. Why is he still part of this organization, Mr. Darrell Boston? You know, he probably got caught up in watching the ball, which is the wrong thing just, for a coach like to do. A, a Labreu did. Right, just like everybody <laughs> else does. He probably got caught up into watching it. Uh, uh, Anderson was actually the only person there doing the right thing. Uh, and he actually was the one, you know, if he would have just stayed between halfway, and like a lot of players would have done, it would never have happened. But he was using his head and said, listen, i got to get the second base because we're still trailing in this game. But I can't argue with Mark. I Neither remember when I. the Cubs brought Ernie Banks, you know, after he retired the next year to first base coach. Yeah. Well, you know, Ernie could hit. And, and as a uh, first base coach, he was a great home run hitter back in his day. You, well, you, you got to remember, yeah. too, that earlier in the week, Mark, uh, Daryl Boston, they had to stop the game because, or not start the game because Daryl Boston forgot to wear his helmet the first base. Oh, I missed that, really? So it's, he's not always oh. thinking. Oh, Mark. boy. But, uh, hey, good call. We're going to take some more phone calls. Mark, call again from Michigan City anytime. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Mark. Three, three, okay, bye bye. Three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. Uh, Bear fan Bob. He started on uh, 294. It's probably somewhere uh, uh, near Orland Park by now. Well, hey, Bob, how you doing? I'm fine. And no, I'm not, not down to Orland Park yet. I'm coming up on O'Hare Airport. Right. Anyways, I got to thinking about this, uh, trading up and so on. You know, when we got Mitchell Trubisky, everybody screamed and crapped and moaned about, uh, you know, Ryan Pace traded up to get his guy. I was one of the few at that time who said, you know, if this is your guy and this is what you got to do to get your guy and it works out, everybody's going to love it. Well, after hearing Dan Shaka and also what they said on the NFL Network last night, because I watched the draft, not the White Sox game because I'm a football guy, uh, they said that this guy was the second best uh, pick in the draft for a running back. I thought to myself, well, okay, so you traded a few out, you get a little bit back, blah, blah, blah. But this is your guy to make your team better. I happen to think the Bears team is pretty good now, and it doesn't have a lot of holes. So if this running back can uh, run downhill, break a few tackles, actually not do what Jordan Howard did, not run into the pile, but run away from the pile, you know, and uh, have a little breakaway speed, they got the right guy. Terrific. I'm all for it. I love I'm it. I'm happy they did it. Hey, that's okay. Bear Fan Bob. If he likes it, we're, day, we're all going to like it. Thanks, all right, Bob. Bob. Appreciate it very much. One thing I was thinking here, Fred, and uh, that's you know usually all I do in one time. The uh, the mismatch is always what it appears that uh, you know Matt Nagy's offense. You right. want that one on one or that mismatch. So I'm just looking. So you got Tariq Cohen when he's out there one on one in space, and now. At the same in the same play, you, I don't know if these two guys will often line up in the same play or not. Who knows what they're going to do? But now you got David Montgomery. So if you got Cohen one on one on one side or whatever, right. and then somehow you get Montgomery one on one with another corner or whatever on the other side. See Cohen, he av- he makes you miss. He avoids you. All right. Right. If you're, and now Montgomery on the other side, he's going to run right over you. 
it appears. And what was the phrase that uh, Dan Shanka used? The, the cornerback is going to have to make a business decision. Right. You know, whether to stick his nose in there and get a broken collarbone or try to just, you know, shoulder bump him and maybe try to knock him down, which yep. ain't going to work. So it's sort of interesting, if this pans out, to have the two different, you know, thunder and lightning or whatever you want to call it, where both these guys can shake you one-on-one in a different way. Well, yeah, it's just, I mean, it would be tough to put them both out at the same time because then there's nobody protecting your quarterback. But, but yeah, I mean, there there are so many things that Matt Nagy is going to be able to do and uh, that's going to be fun to fun to watch. Now, the yeah. weird thing is, too, I, you know, you look at the schedule, you look at the preseason schedule, and we won't know anything about the Bears and what they're going to do until the season starts because we've found out the one thing Matt Nagy doesn't do, he doesn't show anything. He doesn't show anything. He doesn't play any of his guys. Yep. Nobody. The preseason is made is used just to put your team together and get guys in shape. And so uh, we'll have to wait till the opening day against the Packers and see what happens. Bears fans, last chance to vote. We'll have the results when we return. Hey, we're going to go down on the farm next hour. Going to go to Des Moines, Iowa. Voice of the Iowa Cubs. See That's what's your idea of a nice there. place to go. Oh, I love it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, it's finally here, folks. Golf season. Maybe after today. And Seven Bridges Golf Club is value price pass programs to kick it off. Build business and save big money while connecting with your clients and team on one of the Midwest's premier golf courses, without a doubt. Passes are priced as low as $62 a round and are fully transferable. Use passes to entertain clients, reward employees, or just team build. Knowing all will enjoy an exceptional golf experience and unsurpassed customer service. Golf can be rewarding. At Seven Bridges, it is. Learn more at Seven Bridges Golf that golf club at sevenbridgesgolfclub.com. Uh-huh. I knew what you were going to say. Uh, vote right now. The Bears draft David Montgomery. A, you love it. B, it's a reach. C, I got no clue. I got to see him myself. And uh, vote right now. Ryan Pace gave up too much. Too many draft picks, too much uh, draft capital. Oh, i got to stop saying that phrase. Yes or no. And just added, Joe Madden, his new Wrigleyville restaurant, is going to open May 14th, Madden's Post. So they can't get rid of him for at least a few years. Adjacent to Wrigley Field, I'm guessing that means in that Gallagher way, the Triangle Park or whatever. Uh, will the restaurant succeed even if he's not Cubs manager. Yes or no, vote now. Back in a flash, ESPN 1000. Busy day. Me and Mike Murphy, him, he's Fred Hubner. We'll get back to the phones, talking Bears. Exciting White Sox game. Very exciting. We'll get back to baseball in a few minutes. Yeah, the Cubs were exciting until the last two days. Yeah. They had a nice little run there against the Dodgers. And even last night when uh, Bryant and Baez hit home runs in back-to-back innings, you mm. kind of thought, okay, well, you know, the ball's flying out of the yard. Maybe good things could happen. But uh, that was about it. They couldn't do anything else offensively. Theme of today's show, the pace, the face, and the race. The pace, that's Ryan Pace. Got it in his DNA. He knew he was going to make a move. He had to do it. He can't help himself. He traded up. He'll do it if he gets the guy he wants, though, right, Fred? Right. That's you exactly know. why you do it, yeah. The pace. What about the face? The face of the White Sox, Tim Anderson. He'll be on the media guides. He's the cover guy right now, correct? Uh, 
Well, between him and Mokata and uh-huh. uh, Jimenez, yeah, I mean, I know, that, one face, one I know that they would like Mokata and <laughs> Jimenez to probably be those guys. Yeah. But uh, uh-huh. you know, Tim Anderson has shown now that he stole the 10th base yesterday. Yeah. Uh, 10 base stolen bases without getting thrown out at all. And uh, he's hitting four oh two, and he's playing well in you uh-huh. know really good b- defensive baseball. Yep. So yeah, he's uh, right now he's definitely the face. He's the face. So we got the pace, the face, and the race. What's the race? Well, the National League Central, St. Louis first place, two games ahead of second place Milwaukee, just two and a half games in front of the Cubs and Pittsburgh, who are tied for third, you know, third and fourth, but Cincinnati. Four back. Well, don't worry about Cincinnati, except for one thing. They beat the first-place Cardinals. It's just one game, I understand. I think it was 12-1 to 1 last night, Fred. Cincinnati knocks off first-place St. Louis. They're only four back. Remember when Pakoda basically was alluding to, you know, you could have five teams in this division. Sure. All finish 81-81. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't say that. But that's what they were saying. So uh, keep an eye on that National League Central. It could be back and forth all year. See what a GM uh, might have to do. Any GM, Theo, whatever, on you know July 31st. And maybe this thing stays close all the way. Maybe Pakota was right. Yeah, the Pirates were in first uh, a week ago. And now you look at it, and they've lost six in a row. Uh-huh. The, the uh, Reds are actually getting some pitching, uh, which is surprising to a lot of people because they knew they would hit. Uh, their pitching's been keeping them in, and now they're hitting starting to come around. Puig with a big homer last night, I guess. Another good game for them. So I think they had four homers last night. Um, they knocked out Milos Mikolas uh, early, and uh, he's, the, he's the stud right now yeah. for St. Louis. Let's go to the phones. Oh, so the Diamondbacks, uh, Cubs at Arizona last night. It was 100 degrees during the day. At game time, they open up the roof, and it's 98 degrees outside. Why would they open up the roof? I think they gotta be there to save electricity and the air conditioning. Someone told me that lives down there. Half the people that go to the Diamondback games go there for the free air conditioning for three, four hours. Well, last night, half the people at the Arizona game yeah. were Cub fans. And I never saw the official attendance. Probably more. But Pat Hughes estimated it's gonna be about, we're gonna have about 28 to 30,000 here, Ryan Coomer. Yeah. I'm thinking, You'd think they'd have more than that with half of the Valley Cub fans. and uh, But whatever. Let's go to Alex from Buffalo Grove next on ESPN 1000. Alex! Gentlemen, welcome back to winter. What's, hey, <laughs> what's up, Alex? Thanks, Alex. Uh, so I got a compliment on Ryan Pace last night because I think he did two things great. Uh, we needed two pieces in the strap. We need a complimentary piece of running back, and we need a kicker or a trade for a kicker. And so what he did was he got the running back he wanted in the third round, and trade it back to the sixth round, which is where the first kicker is going to come off the board anyway. And so he can use that sixth-round pick to either trade to San Francisco or he can use it for himself and draft the number one kicker. Interesting. So he got the two pieces he really wanted. Interesting. Tell you what, Alex, I'm going to remember uh, your call. Uh, Eric, you 11, wrap that up. If this happens, we're going to give Alex his props and replay your call next Saturday. Okay, buddy? Thank you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Hey, speak of EO11, Eric, what the fans say? Uh, Bears uh, drafted David Montgomery. I love it. It was a reach. Too soon to tell. No clue. I will start from the bottom. 10% of the voters said it's a reach. All right. 27% of the voters said I have no clue. And 63% of the voters love it. I like the results. Yeah. I think that's just about where we would have thought they might be. Sure. Uh, next, Ryan Pace. 
Gave up too much uh, draft capital, too many draft picks uh, for this maneuver up. Yes, he did, or no, he didn't. 71% of the voters say no, he didn't give up too much. Okay. Yeah, I agree with them. And uh, recently added number three, will Joe Madden's new Wrigleyville restaurant succeed if he's not Cubs manager? It's going to be called Madden's Post. I don't understand. Whatever. May 14th is the open day. They're talking about somewhere over there. They say adjacent to Wrigley Field must be in that Gallagher way. With Could the, be a vacant post for a while. A but you never know. So will it succeed if he's not manager? Yes or no? What the fans say, Eric? 53% uh, yeah. so close saying yes. Okay. It'll still be successful. 47 said no? Correct. Ah, I did that in my head. Yeah, well, so basically anybody that's, again, that's you know, going to you know Wrigley, Wrigleyville or yeah. Wrigley Field is going to want to go there anyway. So, <laughs> you know, just another place to spend your money and to eat something. Well, Fred Hubner's White Sox said grill uh, at the Cubs Park. Yeah, yeah, that, will, yeah okay. that wouldn't happen. Almost everybody that, would succeed. That one would be empty. <laughs> yeah. We're going to go down on the farm in a minute. Lots of things happening at the AAA Cubs. We'll get the scoop to skinny from uh, Dean Ellis, play-by-play guy with the uh, Iowa Cubs. And then uh, we'll get in and out of uh, Sox, Cubs, and Bears. It's a busy day. We're going to step aside. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. Is always all right, and we're glad you joined Murph and Fred. Nine till noon, we'll step aside a little earlier for NFL uh, draft coverage nationally here on ESPN Radio, right, Fred? Uh, yeah, 11 o'clock, we've got rounds four through seven, all of it right here on ESPN 1000. Shooting it down the line. Uh-huh. Hey, tell you what, uh, two quick new Twitter poll questions before we go down to uh, Des Moines, Iowa. We're going to go down on the farm with Dean Ellis. Uh, vote now at ESPN 1000. Robbie Gold will kick again for the Bears. A, yes, this year. B, sometime in the future. C, never again. And which multiple choice, A and B, which Ryan Pace draft pick hurt more? The Kevin White pick or the Adam Shaheen pick? We'll get back into Bears beat in a little while. But let's talk a little baseball and a longtime uh, friend of the program, Murph and Fred and Dean Ellis, longtime voice of the Iowa Cubs, now visiting for a few minutes. And Dean, Murph and Fred, are you getting some of this snow in Des Moines coming through? Uh, we're getting, we're going to get hit on our north suburbs, uh, uh, lower Wisconsin later today. How, how's everything in Des Moines? Uh, we've had some pretty decent weather this spring, but not today. It was raining this morning. It's supposed to get windy and then uh, chilly tonight. No snow. I guess that's the good news. We aren't scheduled to have a game tonight, but we'll see because uh, it'll be uh-huh. it'll be like in the mid-30s at least for a chill factor. Again, just pretty cold conditions, but we try to get used to that here in the Midwest, but I don't know <laughs> if we ever do. You got a calendar giveaway night tonight. You can't be oh, you can't be uh, pe- canceling a game today. See, we always blame we always blame our bad weather on Des Moines because you, you know about uh, half a day later we get what you got. Fans say hi to Dean Ellis. Always has a few minutes uh, for Murph and Fred, longtime voices. I said of the Iowa Cubs. So, uh, uh, Dylan Maples, the hard-throwing uh, righty, uh, you had him uh, there at uh, Iowa, uh, Dean, uh, uh, pitched last night. 
didn't do up there. He, you know what he did? He did what, what Dylan Maples does. He walked two guys and then struck out the next three. Fred was what we were talking about. That's, that's what we see here. How did Dylan uh, Maples look in uh, AAA uh, Iowa Cubs? For the Iowa Cubs. He, uh, it's like you say, he'll walk the bases loaded, or like last night, two guys, and then strike out the side. He's just real inconsistent, and he has uh-huh. those outings where he might walk four guys and, and not get anybody out and have to take him out, and it's just a matter of consistency, but it was the same scenario here. Uh, I think he was averaging like a walk per inning and, you know, almost two strikeouts per innings because he has that electric stuff. It's basically unhittable when when he can get it over the plate, uh, he could he could be a big league closer. But just that consistency. But he's got a great arm, and and uh, we'll see how he does this time around with Chicago. Well, that's exactly. In fact, he had eight innings uh, uh, at Des Moines at, at, and uh, walked eight in eight innings, but struck out sixteen. So it's exactly two to one and one per inning. And uh, I like the phrase when you just said, uh, you know, he could be with that stuff. He could be a closer in the big leagues. Correct. Correct, yeah. If he ever puts it together, man, he'd be lights out. He'd be a guy that would get you 40-plus saves per season. So we'll see. He's at an age, you know, where he's been around quite a few years in, in the minor leagues and has really developed and developed that terrific stuff. And it's just a matter of gaining that consistency. And who knows, if you string together four or five good outings of the big leagues, yep. gain that confidence and prove that you can do it, then you're locked in. Something that's uh, kind of out of the ordinary for at least this guy. Carl Edwards Jr. finds himself in the minor leagues. How's he been since he's gone down there? He's been fine. He's been working hard. The, the bad part was he had that odd accident, just slipped on the stairs and injured his hand, so he couldn't pitch for a little more than a week. So he's only had, I think, five innings total since he's been down. And as far as I'm concerned, it, it, he, he just had his first outing off the DL uh, the injured list, they call it now, the IL, uh, right. a couple of nights back, and he was really sharp. He, his fastball was in the mid-90s, and, and a wicked breaking ball that, that uh, struck a guy or two out, and, mm-hmm. and he was throwing strikes. He looked real smooth out there, nice, nice smooth, compact delivery, and got the ball over the plate consistency. So, for me, it, it, they might have called him up, except he's only had that one outing since, since he's been off the uh, IL, and I think if he has two or three more like that, then he'll go back to Chicago. But his attitude seems positive, and, you know, he's such a nice young guy, and he just wants to get back to the big leagues and help his, his team and his teammates up there. Yeah, great great kid, and uh, that's a great report. I think you nailed that one. Mike Montgomery, oh, Cub fans know him uh, very well. He will be making his third, oh, start. Now, he did some spot starting last year, and we know he can be everything from a left-handed one-out guy, uh, a two-inning guy, uh, maybe the starting pitcher. Uh, Mike Montgomery makes his third start, you know, weather permitting, of course, tonight uh, for Iowa Cubs. Uh, you've only, you've seen him a couple times now. Uh, everything looking uh, sort of, quote-unquote, normal for Montgomery, uh, uh, Dean? Well, we'll see. I think uh, his previous rehab game was in Double A and, and uh, not the best there. But ah. so this is a key one for him. It might even be a couple of starts here with uh, mm-hmm. Iowa before he goes back. But you know, he he goes back with uh, Kansas City. We initially saw him in, oh, yeah. in our league when he was with uh, Omaha on the pitch against Iowa. And he's got sure. a, a really good arm, and he's of course done a terrific job with Chicago and. He's just one of those guys you wonder where I think he would kind of lean on, prefer to be a starting pitcher and be in somebody's rotation. And, and you wonder if, if when free agency rolls around, if he'll, 
continue to be with the Cubs or maybe a guy they could use in a trade. But in the meantime, he's a valuable arm, as you say, to, to go both ways, both a, a bullpen guy, but when necessary to make a sure. start. Although right now, Chicago, their, their rotation has been outstanding and they've got good depth. You know, Chatwood with that game that he had and, uh, Alec Mills is another guy that went up last year and did a good job, and mm-hmm. he's been hurt this year. We haven't seen a lot of him. He is back now, and I think is healthy and will be back in the rotation, and, and he's a guy that can help uh, Chicago. And then there's another veteran here. Uh, folks might remember the name Cullen Ray. who's was actually an uh, Iowa kid hmm. from Cascade, Iowa, who cool. pitched for the Padres a few years ago, has a good arm, and he's healthy again. He's had Tommy John a couple of years ago, and He's pitched pretty well in his starts, and he would be a guy that, again, if they need that seventh, eighth starter type thing with guys getting hurt or need rest or go sure. on the injured list for a week, they they could call on Cullen Ray. There's a couple of guys uh, that swing the bats, and uh, they weren't swinging the bat. Well, at least one of them wasn't swinging the bats really well up here, so they sent him down. And unfortunately, it seems like Ian Happ's struggles have continued down there in Iowa. What's going on with him? It's the same scenario. I, again, I think he's worked really hard, and in some games he looks good, has a nice approach with the left-handed bat going the other way. They pitch him outside a lot in this league, and he's done a pretty good job of hitting the ball the other way. But still, the, the strikeouts, I think he's at 35 38% of his at-bats are, are strikeouts. So what saved him, he's only hitting 218, so again, he's yeah. not ready to go back. But He's been great in the clutch. He's, I believe, hitting 333 with runners in scoring position. So the RBI total not too bad at 13. But and he's looked good in the field, really good in center, and played some second base and and has uh, uh, stolen some bases. You know, he's got good speed, just a good all-around player. But still, they're working with him to to cut down on those strikeouts. And uh, for me, it's uh, almost a matter of trying to be more aggressive up there. He, he's taking some pitches and. And uh, you wonder if he should just be more aggressive and try to put put the ball in play earlier in his at-bats. See, that's a great point, visiting for a minute. I always appreciate uh, his time, Dean uh, Ellis, longtime voice of the Iowa Cubs. It's a tremendous Ian, point. Ian Happ, nine walks, 29 strikeouts. You know, you, you say be more aggressive, not your, you know, saying it, but in general, I think all batters. Here's what's happened. And, and we go back a ways, the three of us, so we can talk together, we three. We all remember when the money ball started, hey, you got to walk, they get to the soft underbelly. That was yeah. the phrase, remember, Dean? Get to the yep. soft underbelly of the bullpen. So you want to get the starting pitchers, pitch count up to 90 by the 15, take pitches, take. Well, that was fine and dandy when the two or three long relief guys out there were, you know, double A, triple A guys in the big leagues or A-ball, double-A guys at triple-A, the soft underbelly, but that doesn't exist all the time anymore. In the big leagues, triple-A, you had uh, uh, Maples. They're throwing 98-99. So Fred and I talked about this recently. Dean, might not be uh, uh, the wrong uh, to say what you're saying. Maybe every once in a while, you get up there, you try to hit the first good strike and smack it right away, right? Just be aggressive up there. Yeah, he. Uh, I think that's the case, and you know we've got another kid that's looked pretty good down here, and his strikeouts are up right now. But I think he's an excellent prospect. You guys have heard of him last year, kind of a breakout year. Then he was really uh, did well in spring training. But uh, Trent Giambroni, who again is another really good kid, just a great attitude and works hard and and uh, plays all around the field, second base and the outfield, and is really good with a glove and a strong arm. But uh, and he's got a lot of power for not not being a big guy, but. Uh, he at times is is aggressive, so that's good to see. But I, I think that's a valid point, and 
And, you know, for me, Ian Happ, if uh, he puts it all together, is, is a guy that can hit in the middle of the lineup. And, sure. And, you know, he's hit a lot uh, first and second with uh, his days with the Cubs at the bottom of the order. Mm. But, boy, he's still young. I think he's only 24. So you just you just think that at one point these guys put it together and have a little more discipline and, and uh, make some better contact and get back to the big leagues and have, uh, you know, potentially a, a guy like Happ can be an all-star. There's another yeah. guy. There's another guy that obviously is a, was a bigger story, and it wasn't his on the field stuff. Addison Russell. I know he's only played a few games there, but how's he been adjusting to uh, Iowa? He's looked pretty good. He's had some nice at bats. Has looked good in the field. Played short. I think they're going to use him a little bit at, at second base. And you know, he had a press conference and he talked about his issues, and he says all the right things. And I believe it. It sounds like he's doing all the right things, but. I, I know in talking with him in the, around the batting cage, he's just excited to play baseball. He's happy to be out there and wants to do the right things and take it day by day, and, and he's trying to get better. He, he's talked uh, about his hitting approach and some adjustments he's making at two strikes, and I uh, had an you know, interesting conversation about his defensive work in the field, and he tries to be better at that. And, and again, he just, to me, had an excellent attitude and, and very humble and, and just wants to, again, get, like I say, with happened. all these guys here, they want to get to the big leagues and sure. help Chicago. They love this organization. The organization is so good to them, and the fans are so good. You know, he's, he's been uh, cheered here. He gets an ovation. They haven't had big crowds for the games with, with our sp- spring weather sure. that we have <laughs> in, the, in the Midwest. But the, the fans have cheered him and, and – Again, I, I think he's looked pretty good. He looks like a big leaguer among uh, uh, the minor leagues here. And, and uh, we'll see if he they, – they've got that seven-day window, and I think we're on to game three or four now for yeah. him by this weekend. They'll, they'll have to make that decision. Mm-hmm. He does have options left, so they could – you know, that's a, that's a possibility because Chicago's pretty set in the infield, and Javi Baez at short. You can't take one of the best in the game out of that position, and – and uh, second base has been solid with the guys they have up there. And, and it's possible they could keep Addison here another week or two and just give him a few more games so he's, he's really locked in when he gets back up there. See, I think you hit the nail on the head, Dean Ellis. Uh, down on the farm with the Iowa Cubs. I don't know that the uh, that Theo and the Cubs have a every, let's say, you know, that's Baez gets dinged up, you know, for a week or two. I don't know. If they have an everyday shortstop. Our guy Jesse Rogers, you know, Bodie could play there. Well, sure, anybody can play there. Doesn't mean and Descalso, but Russell is there really their only true, in my eyes, everyday shortstop. So I don't see them looking to have to trade him right away because you have to have emergency inventory. Fred, Des Moines, the ballpark, I go there, lovely Dan and I drive down there every year. It's an easy get-to from Chicago for big Cub fans. Uh, The downtown's beautiful. Uh The ballpark's beautiful. You might even see Dean Ellis, you know, having a seven-up downstairs before the game if you're walking around. Dean, I wanted to ask you real quick. Uh, Other than Des Moines, because that's off the board. What would be your other favorite one or two, you know, triple A uh, ballparks uh, or downtown areas? There's so many great little uh, uh, towns and triple A towns and not all that little Des Moines growing like like mad. I understand. What's your uh, place you, you look forward to occasionally getting to on the road? 
I always liked uh, Sacramento. We stayed, their ballpark is really nice, too. We stayed near old Sacramento. In fact, you'd walk through it on your way to the ballpark. The ballpark was uh, at, at the most a mile from where we stayed. And the Sacramento was, is a good visit. Uh, Memphis has a nice ballpark and, of course, Beale Street. And, again, we stay downtown. The ballpark is downtown. And, uh-huh. and we're less than a mile, I think, to walk to Beale Street and the ballpark and Everything in that area, so you know, and all the most of the cities in our league are yeah. are NBA, NFL type cities. Like New Orleans is a fun place to visit. The ballpark is really deteriorated, and, and they don't have the fan support anymore. In fact, they're moving to uh, Wichita, Kansas. Will have ah. a Triple A team next year. They're building a new park, and and New Orleans is going to lose their Triple A affiliation. But uh, yeah, it, it's a good league. You know, some pretty good sized cities here, and. And uh, it's really enjoyable. And, I, you know, getting back to baseball, I wanted to give you guys one more name. Yeah. And you reminded me when you were talking okay. about shortstops. But they've got this new guy in the organization, Dixon Machado. You can look up his numbers. He's been with the Tigers of the big leagues and played in their system. Manny, well, hold on, really excuse me. Man, Manny who? Manny who? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, the the uh, inexpensive Machado. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but, man, he can, uh, and he's, like, leading the league in walks. He's among the league leaders in batting average and, and fielding. He's definitely a big league shortstop fielding-wise. So there you go. played some second base with Russell at, at short, but he's very smooth in the field and and he's, I think he's 26 years old, so not that old, but okay. he's never really hit till this year, so uh, whatever he's doing, keep it up, and, and that's a name to keep in mind, Dixon Machado. Yeah, I'm looking at her eight, 18 walks, just 12 strikeouts. He's hitting 328. Not bad yeah. at all, if he can feel. I mean, it's yeah. one line drive after another. He's got a little power, and and, and, and saying all that, he's, he's a better fielder than he is a hitter. Keep those waves coming because the window in Chicago always worries me. Is it opening or closing? But the waves come through the farm system. And uh, always once or twice a year, a few minutes, uh, Dean Ellis, uh, the voice of the Iowa comes. Dean, thank you so much for your time and the cal- calendar uh, night tonight. So i got to get this one yeah, in. i got to okay? get this one in. You can't, what are you going to do? In a, yeah. Otherwise, otherwise <laughs> they make you take all those calendars home. There, Dean, there's 5,000 calendars. Year. No, I guess we couldn't do that. No. <laughs> Can you put these 5,000 in your garage? Well, maybe in August we'll roll it back up. Seriously. Thanks, Dean. I always appreciate it. Thanks, Dean. All right. Thanks, Murph and Fred. <laughs> Bye. See you, Dean Ellis. Oh, fun. man. Yeah. And, and, you know, you were just talking. Yeah, they, yeah. they don't really know if anybody else to play shortstop. I didn't know much about this kid. I'm looking at he's third yeah. on the list and hitting for this uh, team. Who Dick, is he? Dixon Machado, 18 games. He's 19 for 58. Four doubles, three homers. He's driven in 13, 32, wa- um, 32 total bases, 18 walks, and 12 strikeouts. So no errors at shortstop in 18 games. Where'd, Not bad at all. Where did he come from? There you go. Dixon Machado. <laughs> it's another one of those Theo finds. Uh, Jason McLeod. There you How go. About it? Uh, my guy. <laughs> and Jason McLeod is still on the Cubs payroll. We got to find out how they picked up Dixon Machado. Uh, all right. Uh, tell you what, we've been a little uh, structured. Any of our earlier topics? If you want to jump in, dial quickly and we'll get you in. We'll get you out. 312 and then our famous phone number, 332 3776. Sox fans, Cub fans, we'll get right back. On the uh, uh, Bears beat also. We'll uh, be opening up our results soon. Last chance to vote. Which Ryan Pace draft pick 
has hurt more. Kevin White, Adam Shaheen, and Robbie Gold will kick for the Bears, A, this year, B, sometime again in the future, C, never again. All right. You ever been to uh, Des Moines, uh, Fred? Never. Never. You know, there's a lot of cool towns. Been to Dubuque, but never Des Moines. Right through there, and then you're in Des Moines. But, see, and and Dean was mentioning a lot of the towns you call AAA baseball. Well, that's what they are, right? But, like, Indianapolis, you didn't mention them. Right. They got NFL, they got NBA. Uh, Nashville, Nashville. where the the draft... Uh, the Nashville Sounds. Yeah, exactly. really nice, really nice little ballpark. Yeah. Walking distance to downtown. Uh huh. Yep. Cool. Tennessee Titans right down there. It's a beautiful downtown. Well, I know Indianapolis. Uh, they, oh. Charlotte just played Indianapolis a week or so ago. I know some people went down to, to Indianapolis to see the Charlotte Knights play. It's the so. greatest. I'm t- those three downtowns, they're all drivable. Yep. Be it if you want to go see a sporting event, I can highly recommend all three. You can get to them and, uh, you know. Nice, easy, half-day drive oh, sure. or whatever. You well, know. Indianapolis is three hours. Well, so yeah, have no time at all. Des Moines, maybe yeah. four and a half. Nashville's a little longer, but well well worth it. Sure. Uh, three, one, two, three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. In fact, what do you know? Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. Which AAA baseball city would you say has the best downtown? And would it be Des Moines, Indianapolis, or Nashville? And it would probably help if you'd been to... Two or three of them right. before you just vote willy-nilly. Yeah. We don't want you voting willy-nilly. Heaven no. But maybe if you've been there uh, to one, two, or three of them, we'll put that on our uh, Twitter poll right now. Vote. Which uh, AAA baseball city would you say uh, you've seen, uh, you know, has the best downtown? All right. So, Fred, every once in a while, uh, and last week around uh, 1115, uh-huh. I was a I was a pinhead, all right? Okay. All right. Now, EO11 is sound bite number one I'm going to roll. Is this the one where I was uh, a little confused? All right. Does this mention Lou? I haven't heard it. Does this mention uh, Lou Boudreaux? Yeah, sure does. All right. So remember Fred last week. And I don't want to say it takes a big man to admit being a pinhead. I can take a little no, man I know also. I know where you're going now that you mentioned his name. Okay. <laughs> I remember. So. You talked about certain guys. Oh yeah, well, are we going to play the whole thing? No, no, just well, just enough. Okay, just enough. <laughs> we had Rick Kempfer on last week, uh-huh. author of a tur- and everyone knows Rick Kempfer. Every Cub ever, he's that, got him in his yeah, garage. That's Pick the him up. title of the book. Uh huh. Yeah, he has a paragraph or two about well, every Cub that ever played from like eighteen eighty one on. Every Cub ever. And we were, you know, throwing out some names, and I was talking about this guy, that guy, uh, Jesus Figueroa, and then I made the mistake. The pinhead in me. Yeah, I always got to throw something else in. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm the Metro driving, you know, heading back home last Saturday around uh, 2 o'clock out to the boonies. Did someone on the train tell well, you made this mistake? It hit me like a thunderbolt. Okay. I mean, what the? the only cub who had all five vowels in his last name, A-E-I-O-U. It was a left-handed pinch hitter back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s for the Cubs, Jesus Figueroa. Was oh, a uh, wow. extra outfielder in Figueroa, F I G U E R O A, the only Cub ever with all five vowels. However, they had a manager also with all uh, Lou Boudreau. Lou had all oh, five vowels. Okay, pinhead. 
So, Boudreaux. You were look a long time for the eye. Yes. Yeah. What, what was it? <laughs> and, you know, it was... And, and, and uh, either Rick Kempfer and Fred Huebner were very friendly and just didn't want to say, Murph, you're a pinhead. We might have just, just took flew, it for granted. Just flew by. Yeah, we took it for granted. You were right. We didn't even think about it. There's no eye in Boudreaux. Jimmy Boudreaux. He had a good eye, but there's no eye that's, in Boudreaux. That's exactly right. Yeah. Was, and Jimmy Boudreaux, loose son, I know, still in the area. I see him on Facebook sometime. If, Did he call you and no, say, Murph, but, there's no eye in our name? I was probably laughing too hard. How have you been spelling it? Laughing too hard. <laughs> Oh, let's bring in uh, EO11. What a pin. Eric was too busy laughing last hey, week, too. you. Lou Boudreau. What? That was good, though. He had a good eye when he batted. Yes, he did have a good he eye. He did have one in his name. Yeah. Uh, was, I got to tell you, growing uh, up a White Sox fan, yeah. I would listen to the radio broadcast of the Cubs almost every day uh-huh. with Lou and Vince. Yeah. Vince and Lou. It was probably the best radio. Taught two guys just saddling up in front of a microphone uh, talking baseball for two and a half hours. Yeah. That's all it was, two and a half hours back then. Fergie was on the hill an hour 58. That was over. Well, Lou, Lou was oh, great. was yeah. so good. He would say, uh, doesn't matter uh, how you do it, it's when you do it. Which sounds crazy, but it's right. Like, get the hit in the clutch. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter how you do it, it's when you do yeah. it. And, 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 and Vince, of course, as I've mentioned, uh, you know, the Cubs have just lost their 13th in a row in the, you know, late 70s. And he'd park his car always by the old McDonald's. They'd be three, 4,000 people at the game. And sometimes I'd wait for him. I'd have a, maybe have a, a beer over at uh, Ray's or Bernie's. I'd meet Lou by the, I mean, uh, Vinny by the car. Yeah. And uh, he'd become, yeah, did a big a briefcase, mess, sort of like the one Harry would have, you know, sure. walking over and it's, you know, 90 degrees. And eventually, oh, Mike, I, I, how you doing? I had a rough one. He goes, Mike, I need a couple belts. <laughs> Between that and that one of my the favorite commercial I remember them doing. Oh yeah, they did a commercial. They would go. Uh, it was for OG O'Connor and Goldberg. Oh yeah, yeah. OG O'Connor and Goldberg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the, I know you youngsters. You don't you don't you don't listen to uh, those kind of well, things. Well, because but, it was supposed to be crazy oh. that a guy named O'Connor and a guy named Goldberg would have this be a, you know own a store. Yeah, and it was the sh- shoe and, store. But then the Cubs yeah. got Oscar Gamble right. 18, 19 years old, come he doesn't know anything about the big and OG would be down to ask him. And we're like, oh yeah, OG, and he'd smile. He didn't know what the he hell. He didn't know what oh, no. these guys are crazy. And lots more to cover, Murph. We'll get back on the Bears beat. I got some Cubs notes. Fred's got some White Sox notes. Your last. We haven't chance. even talked about Aloy Jimenez and his injury. That's right. Yeah. yeah well, you you said it last I, week. I talked about it two weeks ago yeah. before it happened. Yeah. yeah. We'll have that when we return. And uh, EO11, get the final results of our three uh, active Twitter poll questions. I know we're running late. CSPN 1000. Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Busy day, Murph and Fred, 9 till noon. NFL Draft, National ESPN. They're shooting it down from... Bristol and up from Nashville at 11 o'clock, right, Fred? Yep, 11 uh, o'clock, uh, round four will get underway. Yep. Uh, they got four through seven today. Catch it all here on ESPN cool. 1000. So how about this is one of the you know weather expressions, a lot of old weather expressions. Usually it's because they're true. You know, uh-huh. that's how things, oh, that's an old expression. Well, old expressions are old because they were correct and right. they've lasted. Uh, EO11, you ever hear this one? Uh uh, red sky uh, uh, at night, uh, sailors' uh, delight. Uh, red uh, sky in morning, 
Sail or take warning? Um, I want to say I've heard it. Like, it All rings right. a bell when you started saying it, but All no, right. like, not particularly. Well, this is before the, uh, the sailors, uh, you know, 500 years ago, had, uh, you know, they could pull up the weather app. <laughs> and they yeah. could be out in the middle of nowhere and die, you know, if a storm came. So, uh, red sky at the night, and as the sun's going down the sky, you see some. That's a sailor's delight. That meant for some reason that you're going to have clear weather. But red sky in the morning, red sky in the morning, sailor take warning, which means you better be careful if something's... Br- well, guess what? So I'm looking out the window. I'm at home yeah. about 5 a.m. to 5.15 this morning. Red sky? The sky, not this guy, the sky was red. And I'm thinking, I wonder if there's trouble coming. Red sky in morning, say, whoa, look at this. We got weather coming. So take that for what it's worth. The old expression, at least this morning, seemed to work. All right. Well, okay. He's lost his mind. He's a pinhead. Let's bring in... Uh, and that was another yeah. Murph moment. And not one of the ones for the uh, Murph Moment Hall of Fame, of which there are really none <laughs> when you get down to it. All right, Eric, EO11, which Ryan Pace draft pick hurt has hurt to more? The uh, Kevin White pick? The Adam Shaheen pick. I think everyone's first I know is we don't have to break that down. No, no, no. So I'm guessing that the it's gonna be a runaway about the ninety-five percent uh Kevin White. Uh, is that what, what do we have there? Well, I, I would say it'd have to be Kevin White, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? I don't know. Ninety one percent saying absolutely Kevin White. Yeah. Well it didn't help. But Fred the tight end, I bet you if you had a few, uh, you know, cocktails uh, with Ryan Pace, right? He might say, "Oh, you know what? We were able to overcome uh, the uh, wide receiver bad pick of uh, what? I don't overcome Not four years, but well, yeah, well, yeah, around finally." But now the tight end position. See, that's why I was sort of hoping a few more would jump in with me. You know, out of step, Charlie. See this. Adam Shaheen, and he might still pan out. I know. You like him a lot. You I always do. have. I still yep. do. But this thing is really a killer. Did you see, Fred? I heard a lot of tight ends were dropping uh, in the draft so far. Yeah. Did, did, well, a lot of them did, but uh, not so much anymore. I mean, uh, now a lot of them have gone. Like, uh, the, all three teams in the Bears division grabbed one of the top tight ends. And uh, so the Bears are going to be put to work. The Lions the, took one right out of the box, Lions right? took uh, T.J. Hawkinson yes. from Iowa. Uh-huh. And then Irv Smith from Alabama went to Minnesota. And uh, like our previous caller Mike mentioned earlier today, Jay Sternberger went to Green Bay. So let me see. I'm looking here yeah. at our lads and their list of tight ends. Okay. The one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The top seven have gone. So is the 10th. And, uh, yeah, so there's been um, eight tight ends taken so far in the draft. See, all the teams are looking at the offensive schemes of, you know, all the Bears, etc. And the tight end is so key to the Matt Nagy, uh, you know, Well, the schemes. whole thing, the, Phil- the Philadelphia, the Matt Nagy, yeah. you know, the Philadelphia, the Matt Nagy, the Kansas City, all those schemes. You know, Travis Kelsey you have. 
Uh, you have the tight ends in Philly. You have the tight, you know, all the tight ends. Gronk is retired, so you know New England will be looking for a tight end. So yeah, it's 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 all been, you know, it shows you what these offenses now um, are, you know, based on. I'm the tight ends you, are a necessity. Ryan Pace, Fred, he's regretting. He's looking back. Oh, you know, it'd be this would be the classic. You know, what if though. What if Shaheen actually was, you know, panned out and was he good. still might? Yeah. Then it's one less thing I have to worry about backup or another guy or a starter or a draft pick. And uh, you know, maybe Shaheen will do the job. Well, the one thing he can do, and he showed it, is when they get inside the red zone, he can catch the ball for touchdowns. Oh, yeah. They did not throw him the ball, really, all that much. Right now, they still have Trey Burton, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adam Shaheen, Ben Bronick are still yeah. on their list. That's it. So they're going to have to find another tight end, a free agent tight end, or one later out of the draft. There are still a few more that are, uh, according to our lads, that are uh, draft pickable. So we'll see if that happens today. Yeah, that was about a 91% Kevin White, uh, more than uh, Adam Shaheen. <clears throat> Be hard, excuse me, hard for me to argue with that. Robbie Gold will kick for the Bears, A, this year, B, in the future, or C, never again. I got this going 33-33-33. What do you think, Fred? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say Bears fans are optimistic. That's so. why I'm thinking one third, one third. I, yeah, I, I don't. I'm going to say never again. I think Bears fans uh, are probably going to say like 45 percent right. they'll kick for the Bears. I mean, again. I'd love to have them. Don't get me wrong. I just don't see it playing out. What were the results there, EO? All right, bottom to top. 18 percent of the voters saying that Robbie Gold will kick for the Bears in the future. Huh. Okay. 25 percent of the voters saying that he'll kick this year. Fifty-seven percent right. with the majority saying never again. That surprised it's me. It's heavier bit. than I thought it yeah. would be. That's where I would have voted. E-O-E-11. And uh, Eric, uh, which AAA baseball city uh, would uh, you say if you were voting on this uh, has the best downtown? I'd like to hop in a car and go there. Let's see the Indianapolis Colts. It could have gone down for the uh, NFL uh, draft, uh, uh, Nashville, Indianapolis, or Des Moines, Iowa, which is an amazing little hidden uh, gem. Uh, and again, we probably narrowed down the you know respondents because it sort of would help if you've been to at least one or two right. of these cities. And I don't know many people have. I happen to have been to all three. What the fans say, Eric? The fans, so bottom to top, 8% say Des Moines. Moines. Yeah. yeah. 16% say Indy. Huh. And then almost uh, two-thirds, 76%, Nashville. Oh, my country country music lovers voted there. I mean, they, you know, well, they just think you can have fun in Indianapolis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot of nice places. Definitely. Indy is definitely underrated. I'll I'll tell you, you're right. All three are underrated. They're all terrific getaways. One of these days, I'll give Des Moines a a chance. Yeah, and stop by. No, wait. I was going to say stop by Field of Dreams, uh, but you've done that. I've done that. You went to uh, Dyersville. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, By the way, the White Sox game tonight has Mm -hmm. already been postponed. All right. Uh, They know the the bad weather and uh, who knows how much snow is coming. So it's going to be made up as part of a day-night doubleheader on July 3rd. Hmm. Um, That's weird because it's the second straight Saturday. The White Sox 
Sox have had a game postponed and then be made up as a part of a day-night doubleheader. It just uh, goes to show you the the schedule crunch at times, and uh, you know, it's, you know, they play Detroit quite a bit throughout the course of the season. Now they got two doubleheaders that they end up having to play against them. Fred, I heard uh, uh, Javi Baez discussion the other day on MLB, and I know you're a big fan. I heard a great interview you had for the MLB TV. Uh, yeah, uh, Stephen Nelson yeah, was awesome. That was terrific. Great guy. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So Mark DeRosa the other day, and I. Uh, didn't pull His tape. friends call him D-Row. D-Row said, yeah. Javi Baez is the most physically, has the most physical ability uh-huh. uh, of anybody in the big leagues right now. And so he's talking overall physical ability, talking, you know, base running, defense, throwing the ball. And uh, a play happened this week, got a lot of discussion. You and I, well... We only come on Saturday. Right. So here's a little flashback, if you uh, recall. Baez will make it. And Dave Roberts will argue he went out of the baseline, but no call me. Yeah. I'm surprised. (laughs) Well, there are two umpires looking at it. Chad Whitson at first and Ted Barrett at home plate and neither guy made a call he is amazing how about that little stop and go all right stop the tape right there highlights uh courtesy of uh let me know when you oh thank you EO. nbc sports chicago i got a feeling that when javi did that he didn't even know he didn't even think about being out of the base path he was he just of... wanted to get to the base so everybody oh what a great move well, yeah. If you run tw- about 20 feet in a circle and the guy can't get to you, Fred, remember what Kramer used to always say on uh, Seinfeld? Yeah. Without, Without rules, rules, there's chaos. There's chaos. Uh-huh. He's out of the baseline. you got three feet on either side of the actual line. It's easier between home and first because there is a line. Right. Second to third and uh, first to second, it's a, you know, you sort of maybe estimate if you're the ump. And like... Len said, there's two guys. There's a first base ump, but he's a little preoccupied watching the glove. Did he tag him? But this Ted Barrett, that was the single worst game I've ever seen there's in no my doubt. entire life. He called everything wrong Both throughout teams. the entire game. Both teams. Joe Madden, at one point, they caught Joe Madden, yeah. and Joe Madden was saying, you've missed too many. Yeah. And then he repeated it again. He goes, you've missed too many. He made sure that Barry could hear him. And this was early, like third or fourth inning of the game. Brutal. The worst, the worst yes. ball strikes I've ever seen in a baseball game. Then this big clown behind a plate, Ted Barrett, he has no other assignment on this, uh, you know, avoiding the tag yeah. other than to look down home to first. He's standing there like a bump on the log. All he's got to look and see that is about six feet. And I love Javi and I love the Cubs. The point is he was out on the baseline and that's a, that means you avoid a tag. You can go, if you're running out of triple, you can go around or wide. Right. It's, it's if you're avoiding a tag, you can't be more than three feet either side of the actual line or the imaginary line between first, second, and, and second and third. All the guys got to look, you're out! But he couldn't call the big play. You know why? He choked. He froze. It's the home crowd. The Dodgers are... So he did nothing. He froze. And then the poor manager of the Dodgers comes out, and you can't challenge it. It's ridiculous. Well, and the other thing is, 
when you hit a hit a ball, yeah, you cannot run inside the base path because if the catcher right. or the pitcher throws the ball and it hits you, you're out because you ran inside the base path. Well, Javi didn't cut to the right; he cut right. inside the base path where there to is the, grass. The, the double line is on the foul side, but it's just the same as if it were, <laughs> you know, on the other side. Yeah, but you're. It's right there. But if you He's hit a ground ball, you get, you get called out for running inside the base path from home to first. Well, if the ball is involved. Right. Like a catcher is trying so, to throw the So why is it yeah. not that way? Why can you cut that way anyway? It's out of the baseline, yeah. avoiding a tag. Yeah. And then everybody all went, oh, what a great move. Well, it, okay, yes, it was a great move by Javi, only because the umpires were dopes. Well, again, I think Javi did it because he was just trying to avoid the no, tag. No, yeah, Javi, I don't think Javi knew the rule. Oh, no, no. I don't think Joe knows the rule. Well, Javi, I don't think a lot of them knew the rule. Well, Javi, it probably has never happened before. Javi just wanted to avoid the tag, and yeah. if the umpire calls me, I'm going to be out anyway. Yeah. There's no downside for Javi to do what he did. Because the worst no. case scenario, you're going to be out, out anyway. Right. Right. You're going to get tagged out. Might as well put the pressure on Ted Barrett. It's who's funny because back there sleeping. David Freeze probably figures, okay, well, I'm going to get the ball and tag him because if oh, yeah. if he goes to to avoid me, he's going to go outside yeah. the base. So path. I just position exactly right. position myself right here on the line. I can reach three feet either way and get him. Ay ay ay! All right, time to move aside. And uh, Fred, when we get back. Got a few minutes remaining. I got a little Cubs uh, on my yellow pad. You got some white socks oh, yeah. on your uh, white pad over there. Uh-huh. So we'll do that and more back in a flash. And then the uh, NFL draft day coming up. And there will be, according to uh, Kuiper and uh, also uh, Todd McShay, there'll be guys available. So the Bears might pick up some more guys. And maybe that kicker, it's ESPN 1000. I'd, I'd rather have no first and extra twos, threes, and fours. Really? Yeah. I, this draft is, is loaded with second to fifth round players that are really good. I think day three even, when you get into that fourth, fifth round, it's going to be really interesting to see who's still there in that fourth round where teams are going to try to move up to get those guys that are second round talents that are there in the fourth round. This is a very deep draft, but it's not. there's a lot of mixed opinion on a lot of these first rounders. And I think the second round, it gets back to the Michael Thomas over Laquan Treadwell, Corey Coleman, and that group. You get the second, Juju Smith-Schuster, sec, all the second-round guys. We go off and list a lot of names, the second, third round. We're better than the ones. This draft, I think, will turn out that way as well. Mel Kuyper, Bears have a fourth round, a sixth round, and two sevens coming up in a few minutes. Fred Eloy, his ankle, he goes into the wall. It's a home run. What did you say about him a few weeks ago? I said uh, two or three weeks ago, I said, uh-huh. this guy's going to kill somebody, if not himself, out in left field. Uh-huh. Something bad's going to happen. He, The way he goes after balls, he tried to. The ball was not that far over the fence. It looked like it on some of the replays, but it wasn't that far. But, you know, I don't know what he was planning on doing. If he thought he'd be able to boost himself up by, you know, stepping on the wall and oh. the padding. Because you could see his spikes made a, you know, a hole in the in the padding. But it was just a bad play. And immediately, I'm sure White Sox Nation was panicking. And it's not surprising to me that it happened. Because he is, you know, move. <laughs> Yonder Alonso can go away. Keep Jose Abreu. Let him play his first base. And then just make it like... The, the designated hitter, or there's no other place you can put him. No. Left field is a place you put sluggers that aren't great fielders, and he, you know, he can get to the ball. Last week, Ricky Renteria was saying how he gets good breaks on balls. I haven't seen it, uh, and he runs after everything very gingerly, like he's got eggs, you know, 
raw yeah. eggs in his shoes or yeah. something. He just want to break them. I don't know what the problem is, but uh, they got to find a place to put them. Well, we don't know exactly how bad or not bad it is. They're going to have an MRI today, it and I've got plenty of time with looked, the game being rained out. It looked worse than I think hopefully it was because he was able to hobble off and then a little help at the yeah, end. Yeah, but he didn't put much weight on it uh, at all, so geez. it's a bad—but there's no break, so that's a good thing, Kyle I guess. Hendricks— He's only had one good outing this year. Jesse wrote about that today at ESPNChicago.com. He was up. He had didn't no action on the ball, and he, he did that. He does that a lot in April and May. But uh, Russell, tra- you know, I don't think they can trade Russell. He's the only everyday shortstop they still oh, have. Come on, we learned about Dixon Machado <laughs> today. Good. I want Dixon Machado to be your backup. When does Wilson Contreras get a day off? He's played Monday. every day since Caratini. You're right; they're <laughs> off on Monday and Thursday. They're off then, on Thursday then next weekend, St. Louis for three. But they're going to keep playing this guy, you know, like a Taylor Davis, and the. Uh, two Cub players they really need the most. I jotted this down the other day. They need Baez and Contreras. Those are the two guys right now that they need them. And what do you know? Both Jim Hendry guys. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, congratulations to Chris Bryant. His first home run since opening day. Now, hopefully, he can hit a few more. Uh, <laughs> the ball was flying uh, yesterday in Arizona. I thought they'd hit it more. want to thank our guest, Dan Shanka, our lads, Dean Ellis, voice of the Iowa Cubs, Murph and Fred, saying thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.